You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. Uh, Man, it's great to be here today. Great to be with you guys. Um, We are kicking off a brand new series this morning, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, You know, we've been talking about it, uh, actually talked about it last week a little bit, that this new series called by God. Um, This isn't, let me disclaimer real quick. This isn't for like the quote unquote spiritually elite, if there is such a thing. There's not. Um, this, this isn't for like the professionals. This is, this is a series for every single follower of Jesus. It's about the calling that God has placed on your life, um, what it means to live differently, what he wants to do in us and through us. Um, but as we jump into that, I, I saw this thing I came across this week. I'd heard about it, but I never really researched it. Uh, I want to show you a picture. This is the Green Bank Telescope. Um, this is in uh, West Virginia. It's the world's largest movable radio telescope. Now you're like, Matt, you're nerding out on this thing. But this is really kind of cool. This is another picture. It actually kind of looks like a toilet seat, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I saw this, I was like, oh, it looks like a toilet. Um, it, is, it is the largest uh, movable radio um, satellite in, in the world. And so it, it you know, listens for radio waves from space, not like somebody talking on a radio, but like radio waves, like listening for for stars and listening for cosmic activity. Um, And this thing is actually located in something called the National Radio Quiet Zone. Some of you, like if you're a parent, you kind of have like a quiet zone at your house for your kids. Like you want to just send them to there sometimes. But this is a, this is a massive area in the United States where there is zero cell signal. Like not just a little bit, Zero. In fact, it's massive. It is 13,000 square miles. You're like, never doing a road trip there. Um, seriously, you, you get near there and there's zero cell phone reception. You, you can't hardly get any radio stations on the outside. Um, in the inside, there's only some local ones that operate at a really low frequency and power that you can get. Um, but this was actually established in 1958, uh, the, the telescope itself, the satellite, is as tall as the uh, Washington Monument and is so large you could fit two acres of land in it. Like, it's massive. And the reason that they don't allow cell signal there, and actually, if you uh, live within 10 to 20 miles of this thing, you can't operate uh, anything with Wi-Fi signal. Not that you would really need it. Uh, you can't operate a microwave. No, you're not allowed to have, unless it's inside of a metal Faraday cage. Uh, there, there's no Bluetooth. There's none of that. There's no signal that's allowed. In fact, they weekly take the 20 mile like round trip around this thing to make sure that there's no interference. The reason is because they say uh, they're looking for such incredibly small energies that they're trying to study. The things that they're looking for are uh, smaller than the energy produced of a single snowflake falling on earth. It said they could detect your phone in airplane mode on Saturn. Like, 
So the reason that it's a dead zone is because the, the things that they're looking for are so minute, so specific that there's no cell phone signal. And so these people are like transported back in time. They have pay phones still in this town. Like that's how you communicate with a landline. You, you, you don't have like text messaging. You don't have any of that. And some of you are like, I may want to move there sometime or just go and visit for a weekend or a month. Um, but inside of this, this area of the United States, it's unlike anything else. And the truth is, I think for many people, this feels like the human condition at times. Everyone else hears from the Lord. Everyone else has direction from the Lord. Everyone else knows what God is speaking to them, but I, I feel like I'm in this absolute dead zone with no reception. I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I feel like there is, there's no direction for my life. And, and what I believe that we struggle with, if we're being honest, is most people have faith for God to work in other people's lives. We're like the, the pastors, the missionaries, the people sitting to your right or to your left. You're like, yeah, I believe God can use them. I, I believe that God wants to do something powerful in their life just not mine. Because that, that's, that's not for me. That, I'll pray for you. God bless you. I'll, I'll support you. I'll do all the things. But when it comes to us, we're like, mm, that's, that's not for me. The reality is God has called each and every one of us. God has given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's, he's, he's called us. Like he, he doesn't just save us, redeem us, and just say, hey, you know, live a quiet little comfortable life. No, 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 he puts purpose in our hearts. Like God has plans for you and I as followers of Jesus. But I think that's our greatest struggle is not believing that God can use other people, but it's that God actually wants to do something in me and through me, like you specifically. Ben Franklin said this. He said, write things worth reading or do things worth writing. Like, man, that's, what, a, what a cool summary of, of, of a successful life. Not, not fame, not clout, not wealth, but just, I mean, you want to live a life. All of us have this desire to live a life where, like, man, we do something significant. Do you know why we have that in us? Because God put it there. So what does it mean? What does it mean for calling? Um, Colossians 1.9 Let me read them for the NIV today. Usually I'm in the NLT, but today we're... Uh, almost exclusively in the NIV. Colossians 1.9 says this. It says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. He's, he's Here's a great synopsis of what, is, what does it mean to be called by God? What does it mean that, that God has plans for me? He's saying, hey, Live your life worthy of the Lord and please him in your every way. Bearing, when we do that, we bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And when we grow in the knowledge of God, we're strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. And when we do that and we give joy and thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. God has qualified you. 
You're here, you're breathing, you're following Jesus, God's qualified you. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. <laughs> Death has lost its grip on me, right? Curse, cur the, the curse is no more. It has no grip on our lives if we are in Christ. I, I think sometimes we, when it comes to like calling, we, we kind of mystify things. It becomes this like elusive, like, we get weird when we talk about God's calling at times. Some people do. It's, it's like this, like, there's components of listening and following a holy and perfect God. I, I get that. And so there is mysterious aspects of this, uh, but we have to stop making it so complicated in order that we either fail to believe it because it's so complicated or we fail to do anything. God has actually made it incredibly simple um, so that through the series, we're gonna talk about what it looks like. What does this idea of God having a calling on our lives look like? What, what does that actually mean? What, what are the ins and outs of that? What, is it, what are the things that stops us? It's great we believe it for other people, but if we actually believe it for ourselves, why don't we walk in it? And what are the things that we have to overcome? What are the, what are the things that often stop us from doing it? How do we recognize it? Um, so today, this is kind of an overview. This is like lesson plan. This is a an intro into this whole idea. We're gonna look at some principles. So if you have your copy of the scriptures, we're gonna be in Exodus chapter three uh, for the remainder of our time together. Exodus chapter three, story of Moses. You're probably well aware of the story of Moses, but um, one, I want you to understand, this is not about specifics. So stop, like, don't compare yourself, put yourself in Moses' shoes and like looking for the exact things that we're gonna talk about. Right? This is about principles, not about specifics. Uh, so this isn't like, I've got to do exactly what Moses did. This is about principles of understanding God's calling in your life and in my life. So context before we jump in Exodus three, if you remember God's people, the Israelites, they were prosperous. They were growing. They were, um, they were, um, growing in number and, uh, the Egyptians were like, Hey, we don't like that. They're going to become more powerful. Let's enslave them. And so they enslave God's people. And they stay enslaved for 400 years. They're harshly oppressed. Um, they're in captivity in Egypt. They're, they're, they're building all of the things that the Egyptian empire is wanting and needing. And so they're trapped. They're enslaved. Moses grows up through the orchestration of God's divinity. He grows up in the house of Pharaoh. Um, doesn't belong to Pharaoh, but he grows up in the house of Pharaoh. He, he flees Egypt. He's out in the wilderness. He meets a girl. He gets married. He works for his father-in-law, her, her father-in-law. Uh, her father-in-law, he's tending sheep. And so that's where we pick up this account. Now, one, I'm going to leave some stuff out today about Moses. You're like, hey, you skipped this. Because we're going to come back to that later in the series. So I'm intentionally leaving out aspects of this account because we're going to come back to that later on. But First thing is this, there's four principles I wanna highlight in this. One, with calling, being called by God. The first thing is that God calls us to himself. Before we, we, we unpack this idea about what it means to be called by God, we have to know that the first step in the process is being, that God calls us to himself. So Exodus three, we're gonna start in verse one. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, he's from the south, his, that was a joke. All right. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw uh, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Anytime a dude sees a fire, we're like, we need to see this, you know? Um, Verse four. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Verse five, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, God is not in the business of puppets or robots. God is not just interested in our compliance, in us doing something or filling a role. The first thing that he does is Moses, God calls Moses out. More than just plans for your life, God wants a relationship with you. I know you've been to church more than one day, you've heard that. We need to believe it. God is not just looking for you to check some boxes for him. God desires a relationship with you and I, a daily walk, a communion, this, this relationship, this, this, this working and doing with. It doesn't start with instructions. It doesn't start with, hey, here's the list. It starts with an introduction and a relationship. God calls him by name. If I'm being honest, if you're being honest, we all kind of want the burning bush moment, right? Like that would make things clear. Just give me, give me, give me a signal, give me, give me something, give me something that's perfectly abundantly clear. Like, but I think God in his goodness doesn't often give people those moments because we would be obedient to an experience and not into a relationship with the God of the universe. We would just look for the next experience or the next thing or the next, but the beautiful thing is we have his word. His word is very clear. We have his Holy Spirit within us, which leads us and guides us in all truth and wisdom, which is our advocate, which is for us. So we have these things where, where God continues to speak for us or speak to us and lead us. Um, and he's like the, the first principle is he's helping him to see that this understanding of this relationship, the one that God is holy. Hey, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. I mean, God is unlike anything else. Holy means set apart, meaning there's, there's nothing comparable to God. Like that's, that's the introduction. Hey, take off your shoes. I'm holy. I'm powerful. I'm very different than anything you've ever known or has existed. I'm outside of time and space and I desire a relationship with you. I'm the God of your ancestors, the God of your father. Um, I think when we know that we're seen and loved and fought for and adored, we, we have a, a greater ability to step into the, the calling and the plans that God has for our life because we, we trust him. We know him. Think about it. When his disciples, uh, when Jesus called at his disciples, he said, come follow me, right? It wasn't like this sit down like, hey, here's what the next three years are gonna look like for your life. Here's the benefit pack- package. Here's your vacation, your pay, um, here, here's what to expect. Here's, here's the benefits. Here's how it's going to be more comfortable. Here are the things that you don't like. 
It wasn't. It was, hey, follow me. Like, do life with me. Walk with me. Experience life with me. It was this invitation to a way of life, to a relationship. So we, we will never understand God's calling for our life if we don't understand that we first are called to him. We have a relationship with him. And out of the overflow of that relationship, he leads us and guides us. He doesn't want our, just our compliance. God wants our heart. And when we have a relationship with him, he, he doesn't want us to just stay where we are. He wants to, to grow us and to lead us and to do things in us. And so out of that relationship, we operate. Out of that relationship, we live. Out of that relationship, everything else flows. So first thing um, that, <coughs> excuse me, God calls us to himself. Second thing is that God calls us to a purpose. Not to a plan, but to a purpose. Type A, you're uncomfortable right now, let's be honest. He's like, but I have the calendar. It's color-coded, right? I have my blocks of time. I have my routine. I have my, God doesn't call us to a plan. God calls us to a purpose. Why? Because plans change. Yes, they can change, type A, okay? They plan all the time, or they change all the time. Verse seven, as we keep going to Exodus three. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of the land um, uh, into a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites. Well, at first, Moses is like, this sounds awesome, Lord. You're going to do this? Great. Do it. And he's like, oh, it's the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jezebites. These are, these are not good people. These are enemies. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressed them. At this moment, Moses is like, this sounds great, Lord. You do you. You go and do this. I'm for you. I'm rooting. I'm team, team Yahweh, team the Lord. Let's, let's go. So now Go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of the Israelites, or the people, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Say what? <laughs> Moses, like, I was on board with every moment of this until you told me to do it. Why? Like, he, and what's interesting too, what we see is, is he doesn't say, hey, God, here, here Moses. Here's, here's the 47-step plan for this and how it's going to operate and how it's going to work. He says, hey, the purpose is my people are suffering. And so supernaturally, I'm going to intervene into their situation, but I'm going to use you. I'm sending you to be a part of this. I'm sending you to be the spokesperson. I'm sending you to deliver the message to Pharaoh. And you, you know him, by the way, so that's going to be easy, right? Catch up on old times, right? Where are the years been? If we're being honest, most of us want to know, okay, Lord, tell me your plan first, and then I'll decide yes or no. Don't act like you're more spiritual than me, all right? Lord, what does this entail? How painful is this going to be? How uncomfortable is this going to be? How much growing am I going to have to do? 
What does this look like in like two to three years? What are the benefits? What are the risks? God, tell me the details of the plan and then I'll, I'll review your plans, Lord, and then I'll let you know. Hey, there's a couple of tweaks in this. Number one, um, not me, somebody else. But number two, everything else looks kind of, you know, some minor changes here and there. No, no, no. God calls us to a purpose and when we say yes to the purpose, he lays out the plan and steps. Why again does God not just lay it all out? Because if it was just a plan, we would be obedient to a plan and not to a relationship. We'd be obedient to the steps and we, we would focus on the steps instead of God who ordains our steps. Instead of to God who is the author of our steps. He calls us to a purpose. What does that kind of look like? One, what is, God will burden our heart for things that burden his. So there's a great indication that you're on the right path. When your heart is broken for things that break the heart of God, that's what he's passionate about. And he's burdened our heart for a reason because he wants us to do something. Now it's not we can solve every problem, but we can be a part of it. What fires you up? What are you passionate about? Um, I know for, for my family, um, you know, years and years and years ago, we, we started doing mission trips and getting involved in missions. And um, um, our senior pastor, uh, Pastor Jeremy, his parents, or his mom specifically, runs something called House of Hope. We've talked about it here. Um, they're in Bolivia and Honduras and Nicaragua. Many of you have been and visited. Uh, but if you saw an email that came out this week, um, they, they help get women out of human trafficking situations, um, out of a lifestyle in, in brothels, um, rescues them, puts them in a home, teaches them the word of God, and they help to understand their value and worth in Christ, teaches them a skill or a trade to provide for their family. But they came across this, this, um, this community of Quechua Indians, and there's uh, 32 girls that they want to bring into the home, ranging in ages from six to 16. And so they're like, hey, we, we wanna create space, we wanna do something about it, uh, but we need money. And so uh, next Saturday, at our Simpsonville church, they're having a, a fundraiser. Um, there's even a dunk tank. I think I'm supposed to be in that. Um, don't be gentle. Um, but they're, they're saying, hey, we, there's a burden. There's, a, there's, there's, there's something that's not right. We, we could do something about it. And so we're, we're going to rally people. We're going to do something to try to provide funds so that we can put these girls in a spot where they can walk with Jesus and know their value and their worth. God says they're dignified. And when you go and you see things like that firsthand, your heart just breaks. And you're like, what can I do to be a part of, of changing people's lives and changing people's eternities? God doesn't call us just to the plan. He burdens our heart with something. And then we, we look for opportunities to, to do something in alignment with that purpose. So he burdens us for that. It may not look like delivering a message to, from the Lord to Pharaoh. It may look like being an advocate for those that don't have a voice. It may look like serving the least of these. It may look like serving and leading your family faithfully to help break a cycle, a generational cycle that you were a part of. 
it, it may look differently. It may look like being generous to those in need. It may look like serving with the gifts that God has entrusted you that he expects and desires a good return on to help other people see God's faithfulness. What, what I'm saying is, is the calling looks different for, for everyone because it's unique, it's special because God made us unique and special, not, not, a, not a clone, not a, not a stamp to just, oh, you know, pull this one out and make another one of these. No, God has placed a specific purpose for your life. And it doesn't start with a plan. Um, and here's, this is uncomfortable, but your and I's comfort is not a calling worth living for. Living just to make our lives more comfortable is selling ourselves short. All right, stepping on off toes. Number three, God equips us for his plan. God equips us for his plan. Verse 11, God tells this, he's like, God, God tells Moses, hey, I'm sending you. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's all our response, right? Hopefully, right? That's like, who am I to do this? It's better than the, yeah, Lord, I thought you needed a favor. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out in this one, right? God often works mightily through those that are humble. Moses was a humble man. Um, but it's, who am I? I? I think all of us struggle with that, like pastors included. My, myself, I struggle with that all the time. Like, God, who am, who am I to do this? Who am I to, 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 to do what you're, you're calling me to do? Who am I to be a part of this? God, who am I? Who am I? Like, I, I, I don't have anything to bring to the table. And God's like, exactly. That's exactly what I want. I want someone who doesn't think highly enough of themselves that they think that they can do it by themselves. I want someone who has a little bit of fear and trembling of knowing like, God, if, if you don't provide, then I take this step, then I'm gonna fall flat on my face. God, that's exactly what I want. I want someone who walks with me. Remember, it's, it's not me, it's Christ in me. There's a massive difference. It's not me that does it, but it's, it's the humble vessel that says it's, it's Christ in me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. It's, it's God using me. It's like, I, if I tried doing this on my own strength, I'd, I'd have messed up like 20 years ago. It's not me that does it. It's Christ in me. And that's our reminder this morning. So he starts debating with the Lord after this. We're gonna skip ahead to Exodus 4, actually. So flip the page in your Bible. Uh, in verse one, so he's debating with the Lord. Moses answered, he says, what if they don't believe me? Or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moo, moo? okay, Moses, Moses, Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. He was smart. Uh, verse four, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail which if you ever grabbed a snake before, had one on my front porch like last week, grabbed it with like really long grabber thingies. You don't grab it by the tail, you grab it by the head after you like step on it with something far away because it will bite you. And they represent Satan. All right, let's just go on. Um, <laughs> uh, verse five. 
Uh, oh, sorry. Re reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out his hand, it reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak and when he took it out, his skin was leprous. It become white as snow. Now put your hand back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, but if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they don't believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. <laughs> then Moses goes back to arguing with the Lord. Like, this is, this is kind of this cool, this cool like pep talk he's given him. He's, he's given him all these things. And if this was a movie, this would immediately cut to like Eye of the Tiger and Moses training, right? He's like climbing up mountains with a sheep on his back. Or he's like, you know, he's bench pressing a staff. You know, he's practicing doing things. Like this is this, is this like montage of like, the, you know, the crane move, whatever. Standing defense, like, you know up and down, wax on, wax off. Like this is, this is the, the training montage where he's getting ready to, to do it in his own strength. Um, this wasn't some like party trick that Moses was getting from the Lord. It's like, hey, when you're around your friends, do this. It's gonna really impress them. Put your hand up like, what? <gasps> you know? Or like, oh, you're scared of snakes? Watch this. Like he wasn't doing it for that. It wasn't for amusement. Think about it. Why did Moses, why did the Lord tell Moses to do it now and not just later when he was in front of Pharaoh, which he did? Was God trying to work out the kinks? Or was God being patient and good and faithful and reassuring Moses' lack of faith? Like Moses, 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 Moses. Uh, one, I'm speaking to you from a burning bush. Hello. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying all these things. I'm, I'm telling you about these great plans. I'm, 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 I'm being patient. It was a stick. It was a snake. It was a snake. It was a stick. Like, I'm giving you all these things. Then if not, pour water. Then there's going to be blood. Like, there's going to be all of these signs. There's going to be all these things. Like, Mo Moses, trust me. Trust that you don't have enough to bring to the table to make this happen, but I do. Because my, my supply is limitless. My grace is abundant. It was purely for the confidence of Moses, not in Moses. It was Moses' confidence in the Lord. And as you look through, here's an encouraging thing. As you look through scripture, practically everyone you come across their name, they were a screw up. That's comforting for me, who's like a total screw up, right? There was, Jesus was perfect, that, like, they, that's it. They weren't qualified to do what God asked them to do. They weren't the cream of the crop. Like when, when Jesus chose Simon, he called him Peter. Like God, Jesus often gave people nicknames, which I love. He called him something that he wasn't. He called them things that they knew that they weren't because God saw and spoke to their potential. 
God saw things and sees things in you that you don't see. So it's going to surprise you when he says, hey, I want you to do this. You're like, mm, not me. Stop thinking just what's in front of you. We have to realize that God sees all. God sees every day from beginning to end, knows all of them before they ever exist. God speaks to our potential. He called Peter a rock. Peter wasn't a rock. He chose his disciples. You're like, dude, there are so many better people you could pick to be on your team. I've played dodgeball before. I know how this works. You don't pick that kid. Don't pick him. She's like, no, that's exactly who I want to pick. I want to pick the people that don't have it together. So they can't say, look what I did. They can only say, look at what God did. He will call you righteous while you're still struggling with addiction. He'll call you influential when nobody knows your name. He'll call you blessed when you feel rejected. He will call you great when the world will trample over you to get what they think is great. He will call you dearly loved child when you feel orphaned. God looks right past what people often struggle over. 1 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You want to underline that? That's a great one to underline. Meaning, let me, let me give it the Matt translation, okay? If God has given you a purpose and a calling, you have everything you need, period. If he calls you to it, he gives you everything you need in order to do it. But we're like, God, you, you, you don't see the equation, like you don't see the, the, the subtractions, the things that I lack. You don't see my, my faults. You don't see my history. You don't see my past. You don't see all of that. We're going to get to that in the series. Everything that you need for godly living. You and I in Christ have everything we need. We lack nothing. Right? We remain in him, vine and the branches. We remain in him. And we have everything we need. Apart from him, it doesn't say, hey, you can do average, mediocre. It says, apart from him, we can do nothing. No thing. Nothing. So, if you feel like you don't have it all together, that's perfect. God does. If you don't feel like you have what it takes, if you don't feel like you have the tools and the resources to do what he's asking you to do, you're on great ground because no one does. But in Christ, we have everything that we need through his unlimited resources and his infinite grace. If he calls you to it, he will give you what you need in order to do it. And number four is that God promises to be with us. He promises to be with us. Verse 12, back in Exodus 3. We're jumping back. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that, is what I, that I have sent you. When you, brought the people, uh, when you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. This wasn't just like Lord or God. This was the personal name of God. Yahweh, it was the, the personal specific name. He's saying, hey, they, they wanna know who my name is. My name is I am. Meaning there's no beginning and end. I'm all sufficient. I, I, I just, I am. I've always existed. I always will exist. I'm outside of your thinking. I'm outside of time. I'm outside of space. I'm, out, I'm outside of everything. But I am your God. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and seen what he has done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt to the land of Canaan, the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jezubites, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance, something that was better, something that was established. But the beautiful thing is wasn't, hey, here's, here's the plan, here's the purpose that I'm giving you, you have a relationship with me, in me, you have everything you need. Now you go, and I'm going to stay here. Now the promise is that he was, he was going to come with them. My uh, family, we love to, to cook breakfast together on Saturday mornings. It's kind of become this, this tradition that we have. Um, I think I kind of started it because I always cooked with my dad, especially breakfast, because no one else was awake in the house usually. It was just him and I. And so we, we cooked breakfast. And so a long time ago, we started this Saturday breakfast idea. And my kids, they rotate um, you know, patiently, because they all take turns, because, you know, they fight over, hey, it's my turn, no, it's my turn, and uh, so we'll cook pancakes, oh, my pancakes, and waffles, and sausage, and bacon, and just, like, all this stuff, and, and most Saturdays, we, we do it, and sometimes, I'm being honest, I'm just like, I'll just, I'll just cook this morning, I'll just sneak into the kitchen and, and, and cook, but they love to help out, they love to be a part of it. Um, now, my oldest, he's like, he's super handy in the kitchen, he's getting the knack of it, but sometimes, especially when they were a lot younger, um, them helping me cook breakfast wasn't always them helping me cook breakfast, right? Now, they've gotten older. They're, they're a lot better at it. But it was often, it, was, it required patience of like, no, no, don't put the shells in there too. Let's crack the eggs and let's take the, put the egg in and take the shell out, you know? Or say, hey, don't just, you know, sift flour from way up above, you know? Let's not get it everywhere, but it required patience and it required me saying, hey, the important part was them coming alongside. Even yesterday, my wife, we, years ago, we, we moved our piano out from uh, her office into um, our kitchen and a little breakfast area because they, it's played a whole lot more and, and she's great at including the kids and she was playing even last night, playing song and, and um, giving the kids like one note to hit. It's like, this is part of the song that like, hit it. And so they're, they're like going to town on that like one key. Like it is nobody's business, right? You know, just like, like that is, a, that is, a, that is an orchestra on that one note. But like, it's, it's beautiful. She can hit that note herself. But she invites them to be a part of it. God doesn't need us to do anything. He wants us to. 
He wants us to not sell our lives short. He wants us to see, have value. He wants us to have purpose. He wants us to have a fire in the morning when we get up out of bed because we have purpose in front of us because we're walking with the God of the universe who, who desires us and loves us and calls us and puts gifts in us. But even Moses had this moment. He's like, Lord, they, they go through the plagues. They're, they're, they're leading out into the wilderness. He comes down with the, the, the 10 commandments and, and he says, God, if you don't go with me, don't send me. He said, don't, don't make me go and do this by myself. He said, there, there's, he caught a glimpse of this relationship with God and life with God. Following Jesus together is so much better. And he promises to go with us. That it's not just a mountaintop experience and then we walk away. It's like, try to remember the plans, try to remember the plans, try to remember the plans. No, he said, I'm gonna walk with you every step. Because he wants to, he doesn't need us to hit the note. He wants us to. He wants us to see that we get to pay, play a part in the story. That he's like, that's exactly what I want you to do. called you. You are called by God. Called for a purpose. Called into a relationship. And called for significance. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.